Hi, everybody, and welcome to our podcast series on innovative healthcare solutions. Now, this is sponsored by the Conference of Consulting Actuaries, uh, or the CCA. My name's Ed Podlowski. I'm president of Morningstar Actuarial Consulting, and I'm also the chair of the healthcare community of the CCA, and I'm going to be your host for today's discussion. Now, these podcasts are really a series of interviews with actuaries and other professionals focused on delivering innovation in healthcare. These sessions are offered to provide insights about you know, what's uh, transpiring in the ever-changing world of healthcare. Uh, and I'm sure you're going to really enjoy the sessions as, as we have some discussions that really start to highlight the people, products, and uh, services that are uh, designed to really drive a better healthcare solution. Now, we're coming to you today from the CCA annual meeting in Austin, Texas at the JW Marriott. So uh, that's why you see a little bit different background today. And my guest for today is actually one of our speakers. Actually, you're speaking at a couple sessions, right? This is uh, Sarah Tepema. Uh, Sarah is a fellow of the Conference of Consulting Actuaries, a fellow of the Society of Actuaries, and a member of the American Academy of Actuaries. And you are also the chief actuary for Wildflower Health. Right. Um, Great to have you here. Thanks, Ed. It's great to be here. It's so exciting to be in a conference in person. Yes, isn't this great? I love I love getting That's out awesome. meeting everybody. So yeah. if, if you're here uh, at this conference, we'll look forward to seeing you. If you're not, think about coming to next year. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, hey, listen, you work for, um, I, I, it was a very intriguing organization when, when I saw who you're yeah. working for, Wildflower Health. And uh, very interesting background from the initial discussions that you and I had. Can you kind of just share with our audience not only what Wildflower Health sure. is about, but kind of how it came into existence? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've been around for about 10 years, but our founder uh, and CEO, Leah Sparks, um, was pregnant and had a complicated pregnancy. But it, w while she was pregnant, she was already an executive in the healthcare system working for a large healthcare organization. And she found that it was really, really tough to navigate her complicated pregnancy. And she knew what she was doing, and really knew what she was doing. And she was like, how can people, how, you know, how can we help people to do this better? Because it's just, it's really difficult, especially when you've got to navigate multiple providers, you're scared, you've, you know, you're trying to do the best thing for your baby, for yourself, for your own health, your family, and you don't know what the right thing is. And it just, sometimes you just feel like you need some assistance. And so she developed um, just an app and it's been a pregnancy app. Um, you would never hear of the Wildflower app if you were a pregnant person because we were white labeled with either provider organizations or payer organizations. Um, so, you, you know, but we run the engine behind like some of those branded apps that you might get at your hospital or, or through your health plan. Um, and so Leah was finding, and the company was finding over these 10 years that, you know, outcomes were really improving and we've got a lot of data to show from a lot of our clients how much better the outcomes were for the, you know, for the infants and the moms, mm -hmm. really. Um, and so she said, you know, we, we need to be able to capture some of this value, you know, value-based care, <laughs> as we talk about constantly right now in healthcare. Right, right. Um, and so she brought me on, well, she brought on me on as a consultant as I was working for um, SB Actuaries, another firm. And um, after working with them for about a year, she asked me to come on full time and I didn't want to turn down that opportunity <laughs> to work with. It's a fantastic team and she's wonderful. Uh, CEO, and we're just we're you know it's work it's like work hard, play hard. It's been a really great experience. But what we're doing is we're pivoting into value-based care, and so we've got our technology app, which is great, and it, it is showing outcomes. But we want to 
really boost that, we've added health advocacy services, okay. health coaching services, remote patient monitoring, so like blood pressure cuffs, scales, um, glucose monitors when you have diabetes and you're pregnant. Um, and then we've added a bunch of surveys, uh, depression surveys, for example. Mm. Um, and all of the stuff is active in the app. So, uh, and, and then the, if you have a condition, if you're identified as having, say, diabetes or hypertension, you will be hooked up with uh, an advocate who will help you to work with your own provider. We're not, we're not practicing medicine. We are helping um, women to advocate for themselves in the doctor's office, make sure they're getting all the tests they're supposed to get, make sure they're getting um, all of the diagnostic, you know, like the ultrasounds at the right time. Um, and so by doing so, we, we believe we are preventing a lot of poor outcomes for both the mother and the baby. Um, one of the things we developed when we did this shift to value-based care was a custom bundle of care. So we hear a lot about bundles of care, episodes of care, and, right. and payment, bundled payment systems. Um, but a lot of them are just insufficient for a number of reasons, which I can get into <laughs> if you want. Um, and so um, we, we developed this custom bundle and we used some background data to try to understand what this would do, and we were able to um, you know, design this, so we, we think it's a great solution, but it's, it's a way for us to get paid um, that benefits everybody, but also um, really captures the value of better outcomes for the mom and baby. So talk a little bit about who your clients are, right? Right. Just, just so maybe the audience can understand sure, kind yeah. of who you're dealing with. Yeah, so, so with the app in the past, our clients have been payers and providers, okay. and they're still payers and providers. Um, but what we're really doing is, is working with any kind of risk-bearing entity that, that will have, especially will have the mom and the baby. Um, because we find that the best outcomes are when we can keep the baby out of the NICU. Mm. Obviously, that's really where there's, a, and, and from an employer perspective, you know, we all know that stop-loss claims for employers are almost all NICU claims. You know, it's just, and some of them are just sky high. Right. So the goal is to, to prevent those, uh, to keep the mom out of the hospital and have an early delivery, um, to keep the mom mentally healthy. Um, and so, um, so our clients, all of them that are going to sign on to this value-based care solution are ones who are taking risks for that full spectrum of care. Um, and so it's less, it makes less sense for, say, a hospital mm -hmm. to do this, but, but you know, they, they, they were willing, they wanted to white label our app because it's great for their marketing and their branding and it helps them get their moms, the moms engaged. But what we're looking for is a different level entirely. So we're looking for um, getting the, you know, where there's a whole, like start to finish from pregnancy diagnosis all the way through to three months past the birth of the baby. Um, that's what we really would like to see. And then capturing that whole episode of care, total cost of care for the mom and the baby, and then, um, and then sharing on the savings. So we'll do shared savings calculations okay. just like any other bundle of care. And then um, that gets allocated, of course, to us and to also to the OB providers and then to the payer or risk-bearing entity. It might be a provider risk-bearing entity, for mm -hmm. example, a, a, co a commercial ACO, or it might be um, a health plan, a Medicaid plan. We've got Medicaid clients. We've okay. got commercial clients. We've got employer clients. So any payer that cares about that total spectrum yeah. of care. I, I really love solutions that um, not only uh, have an impact on the overall quality of care, in this case for, for the yeah. mother and, and the child, of course, um, but also um, sounds like it has an impact on the overall cost of care, so the eventual payers um, for 
um, the services that are delivered, whether you know you mentioned kind of employers as your clients. So I know it it sounds like your role then is to really help the organization, you know, figure out what that value proposition right. is. Um, and and then and you kind of leverage that and obviously use that to kind of promote your services in the market. Um, so maybe it's a little unfair question, and I know you're just kind of early in, in your yeah. tenure there, but maybe can you speak a little bit about what that value proposition is or, or looks like? Sure, yeah, so we, well, we, we, have, we haven't had a, like a nice long year of experience sure. to, to rely on, sure. but um, we have done a lot of analysis um, cutting Cutting the data, you know, as we can all appreciate it. Um, we, what we've done is we've cut it into um, the, the population, kind of stratified it into uh, certain conditions. And the way we look at the patients um, that we are, that our advocates are going to work with is um, in, in what we call journeys. So um, we had, a mom is identified as having hypertension. She's on the hypertension journey, okay. um, and that gives our advocates almost like a almost like a script, you know, like mm -hmm. um, you need these tests at these dates, you need to ask your physician these questions on these okay. points in time. Um, if you're, you know, we're gonna send you a blood pressure cuff, um, you're going to check your blood pressure, we're gonna keep our eye on that because it's gonna be feeding into our system constantly. Um, and then if we see something as, uh, you know, elevated, we're gonna s escalate it to your provider. Um, and, and those kinds of things. And so w by stratifying it into populations, even though we might not have data yet, we have a really good sense of, of our impact and okay. how many, based on the literature, based on the data, we can cut um, into those buckets. And then what we can do is, is, this is what we're doing with our new clients. We're saying, okay, you know, we don't, we don't know necessarily, you might not want to give us your, all your claims data, um, but can you tell us of your pregnancies, how many had hypertension, how many NICU, what was your NICU rate? This might be like before um, they, they, they bring on yeah, your really, solution. Yeah, yes. really, pre-sale okay. kind of thing. So, um, because, you know, as, as we can all appreciate, it's really hard to get enough data that's <laughs> clean and easy to use and, you know, it, right, we, we, right. I, everyone will agree. <laughs> and so we're trying to find a way to simplify the process. And so that's what we, that's what we did. Um, and so what we can say is, okay, well, it's a pretty good estimate if we know your population has a very high incidence of, say, you know, gestational diabetes or hypertension, depression. Um, all of those are the really the key, mm -hmm. the key conditions that we we're worried about. And then we have a pretty good sense of what we can do to, based on the literature and based on what we're doing and programs similar to ours that maybe were piloted in other areas through the literature. We have a pretty good sense of of how we can impact. Um, those particular populations and subpopulations of the population and and we can have a pretty good sense of what, what we think the savings will be good so uh, I, I mean obviously in uh, right now kind of the social determinants of health is kind of a big issue and and yeah. probably those have a bigger impact on maternity than than perhaps other Absolutely. I mean I, I'm, I'm saying that without doing much analytics no, around you that don't but need it, to, yeah, I mean <laughs> but we're but reading about it like, every day yeah, yeah it so it I, day. I assume that that's something that you're focusing on in some of some of the data that you're getting maybe talk a little bit about because uh, our audience probably is pretty familiar with you know maybe the claim data that you're getting in yeah. but I think you're you're also integrating a lot of other data into this process too aren't yeah you? and we hope to do more so um, you, you're right, social determinants are a huge factor in pregnancy, huge. Um, and so one of the things our advocates will do is, for example, like, um, why did you miss, you know, we'll see, oh, you missed an appointment, why did you miss that appointment, you didn't have transportation, so sorry. Here, here's a resource from your health plan that's a transportation benefit, or here is a resource that's an organization and, and that And this is something you. they would get through the app itself? Yeah, or through our advocate. Or through, okay, yeah, okay. Probably more likely through the advocate, okay. although I think, that, you know, our app can link them to the health plans. Okay. 
you know, if the health plan has like a transportation benefit or um, you know, there, there's lots of stuff going on in the health plan. So we'll, we'll link into what the health plan wants us to do, but okay. if not, we'll work with other organizations to find, to find transportation, to find nutrition benefits, you know, to help them navigate health care, uh, child care for their other kids when they are missing appointments. Um, so, you know, that's an example of a social determinant. But, um, so, so we're, we're gathering that data from the member, which is, I think, pretty, pretty important stuff that the health plan can't always get. And so they appreciate that we are talking to them okay. a, on a more real-time basis. Um, but, you know, aside from that, you know, health equity has been a really important factor here. And so um, we will be, one of the things that I'm, str I'm struggling with and I really actually can't wait to study is, you know, we know there's huge disparities um, in pregnancy outcomes, we know, you know, for example, black mothers are like three to four times as likely to die than white mothers, and it's not a it's not a socioeconomic thing; it's right. across all socioeconomic right. strata. <coughs> um, and we just we know, you know, infants are infant mortality is so much higher um, for for black children than for white children, you know, and and we know there's a huge huge issue in this country. Um, we know also that a lot of that could be addressed through a simply a personalization of their experience. Um, I, we're not gonna erase you know, institutional racism from this, but we can at least you know, address certain things and at least dig into it a little bit and try to in, even the playing field a little bit more. Um, giving them the tools they have to advocate for themselves when they meet with their provider, when they're at the hospital, you know, when their baby's born and they need to interact with the pediatrician or the hospital's pediatricians, like giving them a little more giving them the tools for them to be right. advocates for themselves. Right. Um, so, the, but the social determinants piece of it is, is really important to us. Um, and again, that personalization we think is what really drives um, what, what the person actually needs rather than us making assumptions about what they will need or you know, just because of where they live. Now we are bringing in a lot of that geographic data. Mm -hmm. um, we're bringing in, you know, the, the Medicare has just instituted the Area Deprivation Index from University of Wisconsin. We're starting to bring that into our data too. Okay. Um, it's not perfect, but it at least gets us part of the way there. So you know, we're, we're trying a lot of different things. It's been really fun to like look at all the data and, and see where we are. And you know, from our discussion earlier, I found out you you don't stop right at the delivery, right? I mean, you're right. you're kind of working with the mom and, and baby afterwards, and particularly you mentioned earlier, um, kind of a de uh, depression surgery. So I'm assuming that's kind of related to perhaps postpartum depression yeah. and those types of issues. Yeah. Oh, and and you know, one of the things that I when I was looking at the data, just the normative data, but also some of our client data, um, I guess I I've, you know you hear a lot about pregnancy and depression and postpartum depression. I was honestly shocked at how much of the cost is driven by depression. Because um, we're looking at total cost of care, we're not just looking at the pregnancy related costs, we're looking at everything mm -hmm. and we're, we're viewing the obstetrician as sort of that uh, medical home during pregnancy. And by doing that, we're saying, you know, you're, we're taking responsibility sort of for the whole, the whole thing. Um, depression was like shockingly huge, <laughs> not just postpartum, but you know, pre-delivery oh. too. Okay. Um, and 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 it's actually not easy to do, but it's fairly um, you know addressing it when you first see it in a survey because we'll be we survey the moms generally five to six times from the beginning of their from their first diagnosis of pregnancy through okay. three months postpartum, and we can track you know by looking at the change in the score, not just the score, but the change in the score. As we know, is like a you, you see a pattern and mm -hmm. we can address it. So. Um, you know, reducing hospitalizations. Um, depression hospitalizations can be very long and expensive and um, sometimes not helpful. <laughs> and connecting, and then when you're, you know, when you are discharged from a depression um, it, hospitalization, 
there's you know generally a pretty high rate of readmission okay. um, and so by either getting them before they're in the hospital or even right immediately post um, discharge there's there's a lot of opportunity there too tip for just and for the family you know it just helps the families to be thriving once the baby's born um, but yeah our, we, we tend to look three months past the delivery we're actually evaluating because so many states now um, the Medicaid programs are keeping the moms on Medicaid for mm. up to a year now um, that's really been a shift and it's quickly shifting which is such a great thing to see because it used to be that a lot of moms would get dropped from Medicaid coverage, you know, like two months after they deliver the baby, and they, you know, you lose track of them, and you know, we know that families will thrive when the mom is able to get the healthcare she needs to, um, to be healthy and, and take care of her family. Great. Well, talk a little bit about role. I mean, you, you've, you've delved into your role a little bit here, yeah. but I always find it intriguing when organizations like Wildflower Health um, Bring bring an actuary on board because right. to me that that really says that they're uh, they're becoming serious about really trying to make sure they understand what what value they're really delivering in the market. So, but but tell me tell us a little bit more about you know your role. You talked about kind of the data aspect, but I'm I'm, I'm supposing that's not everything, right? right. Well, right, yeah. <laughs> and and as any startup, you know, you kind of do what needs to get done, and it's so it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I I'm actually spending a lot of time writing contracts. Like oh. I'm like oh god. <laughs> uh, which is fine. I actually, I actually like it. I, I'm oh, oh my almost God. embarrassed you, you, to you say that. You and that. I yeah. are so much but, alike. Uh, you know, my, my my attorney hates me. You know, because I do so much yeah. of my own contract work. Oh, that's work. funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so no, but you know, it's like uh, so much of these. So much of this is like making sure. You know, one word in a contract can change the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And so making sure that we're we're fine tooth combing this stuff. And and so I spend a lot of my time on that. Um, but but I also spend a lot of time. Um, try, like trying to integrate what the solution is doing into how do we t how do we claim that value yeah. and how do we put it in a contract and how do we write about it and yeah. how do we model it how do we sell it you know yeah. I spend a lot of time on sales support as as you could imagine um, you know it's interesting that you bring up like that that other digital health companies are starting to bring on actuaries I think that's becoming somewhat of a trend and I before I started with Wildflower as a consultant you know we we started to hear like investors. Uh, we, we had clients who said, you know, I, I really, my investors are telling me I need a full-time actuary. I was like, really? That's that's awesome. Yeah, you right. You know, I mean, right. maybe not as a consultant, you know, you don't want to be replaced, but at the same time, it's great for our profession. Right. Honestly, right. like it's it's a great opportunity. And I think actuaries, you know, uh, having been on the board of the SOA and as you've been on the board of the CCA, we think a lot about like, what's the future and, um, you know, where do actuaries go? But we, we have a lot of strengths that we don't probably fully leverage in terms of like being kind of like a, a, a business a business problem solver uh, across a lot of silos and we can see things that maybe other professionals don't see yeah. sitting in their silos and so um, we have I think we have a great opportunity as actuaries um, to, to take on this sort of digital health space and value-based care space. Well, you're, you're, you're raising an issue that, that I think has been on my mind for quite a long time, particularly when, when we start to saw the introduction of, of data science into yeah, a lot of things right, that we yeah. do. And a lot of what I hear is that, um, you know, the application of data science are great, but having somebody that really understands the business and understand what, how to interpret that data right. that's coming out and to take it and apply it into a business sense makes yeah, a lot of sense. And totally. that sounds to be exactly what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, and I think, again, we need to leverage that strength yeah. more and make sure people understand that that's something we can do. Um, you know, we need to understand the data science, but we don't necessarily need to be 
maybe we need to train in it, but we don't. Once once we get to a certain point, we need to be able to you know solve those problems in a on a more um, strategic basis, yeah. I guess. Great. Well, um, I always like to end my podcast with um, kind of a different question. That would be if you weren't an actuary, what <laughs> would your what would you have done as a profession as a, for your profession? Um, is is like is talent. Not an issue. I mean, whatever, this. whatever you want. I've I've had people come in and say, "Oh, I, I would have you know played the guitar. I would have been an artist. I would have been a, a NASA engineer." So you know, it's okay. whatever, whatever you want. Well, I was almost a professional pianist until I realized oh. like that I just didn't have what it took <laughs> to do that. Um, but had I followed that path, I probably would have been uh, like a pit a pit accompanist <laughs> for musicals because that is what I love. I love. <laughs> Like opera musicals, I love accompanying. Oh, cool. um, and if I if talent weren't an issue, I would be uh, conducting the opera, or oh, I would okay. be singing in the opera or the musical. But oh, wow. that, you know, given that, but so, yeah, so, so you're probably a, good, a so you're good singer. No, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said talent can't be an issue here. I love to sing. I love to sing, and I and I'm okay, but I'm not I'm not great at singing. Great, great. Yeah. Well. Thank you for, yeah, for being here for and doing this. Us. And fun. Yeah, and, and I'd like to really encourage our viewers um, who also uh, participate in the healthcare community within the CCA, you know, the continued discussions about topics like this uh, in, that, in that platform. And if you're not a member of the CCA, you might want to check that out. Um, that platform has been uh, a great yeah. uh, tool for us to continue conversations. I know you've, you've been a part yeah, of that. Uh, a lot of great answer, uh, questions out there and mm -hmm. a, lot of, you know, a lot of answers to a lot of those. And, and so, you know, if you're not enjoying those, please, uh, by all means, take the opportunity. So, Sarah, again, thanks for being yeah, with thanks, us Ed. here today and, and sharing your thoughts and, um, you know, your experiences about uh, Wildflower. Maybe we'll have to, you know, after you get into this another uh, year or so, maybe have have a kind of follow up conversation with you. But um, I would I'm, love that. Hopefully, I can share some really cool outcomes, evaluations, yeah. and some really cool data. Yeah, yeah I'm great. So excited. Great. Well, thanks for being thanks. here today. Really yeah. appreciate it.